When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights. Today, our guest is West Virginia native and alternative Americana artist, Christian Lopez, a high-energy, wholehearted performer whose new third studio album, The Other Side, was just released back in October. Lopez says that if he wants his music to last in the world, he has to stay as authentic as possible. And that means not compromising or being boxed in. That also applies to just being a human, he adds. Wherever that leads him, he's sure that'll be the place that he was meant to be, both musically and mentally. His new album was produced by Robert Adam Stevenson, who's worked with Jeff Beck, Queens of the Stone Age, and Johnny Depp, just to name a few. And Christian talks all about it with Amy Wright in today's show. We recommend you buy his music, get out to his concerts, and support his art. But for the next hour or so, kick back and enjoy this exclusive conversation with Christian Lopez, right here on Insights. Christian, it's been a while since we've seen you at Diddy TV. Well, it's nice for you guys for having me on. I love Diddy. I love Memphis. I always love when we get across paths. I love it too. And and you've got a new album out, The Other Side, and we're going to get to that in a, in a sec. But I kind of wanted to go back and talk a little bit about how you got where you are, because this is, uh, I think it's really interesting, you know, for people to kind of see, you know, what path you took to get where you are. And you, mm-hmm. you grew up in West Virginia, right? Yes. Martinsburg. Okay, cool. What was it like growing mm-hmm. up in Martinsburg? Well, you know, it's uh, kind of the classic... Um small town kind of storybooky you know sort of situation you know just a you know good parents good family and uh you know uh school was fun uh you know my my fiance for one didn't go to high school or anything like that and lived in la so it's you know being able to talk about it now to her really puts it into perspective of uh how sort of classic uh it kind of was you know uh and uh, you know i think that's why uh it lives so deeply in me just because it was a really good experience growing up there. Did you play sports when you were growing up? I actually was on the golf team, uh, but that was because my dad suggested that I play something that I could play forever. And uh, so I did that. I was terrible. I was awful. But, uh, you know, you got to go hit balls for free every day. So I did that. (laughs) That was like me being on the tennis team. And we had all these smart thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I learned tennis sort of, I guess. And, but, you know, the other people in the tennis team were way better than I was. So, you know, Hey, I got, I got to learn tennis out of that, but, uh, yeah. Good cardio, good cardio, good cardio. (laughs) So you, you started off on piano, but you were really young when you started piano, right? Well, mom was a music teacher. So she started all us kids, uh, right around kindergarten uh, at piano. And it was sort of just the default programming that she did for us. So not five. Yeah. How many brothers and sisters did you have? Do you have? I have an older sister and a younger brother. I'm the middle kid. Oh, the problem middle child. 
<laughs> exactly. I've been a problem ever since. <laughs> well, so that was kind of a leg up that your mother was a music teacher. Um, do you still play piano? Yeah, as much as I can, as much as I can. On the new record, I, you know, I, I, I play it uh, wherever it's heard. And, you know, I like to write on piano and, uh, you know, I like to collect kind of crappy pianos that I find on Craigslist and sort of refurbish them a little bit and, you know, put them around the house. So absolutely. So how many pianos do you have around your house right now that you're working on? Well, in West Virginia, in West Virginia, I have uh, an upright in my main bedroom. And then I also have a baby grand that I found on Craigslist, a white one that we recently have been putting uh, some designs on and things, but, you know, getting them all functional and such. And, but I also have a few full-size keyboards that I haul around and just take up space with. Maybe this is a sidebar business, you know, re- refurbishing old pianos and maybe, maybe you can paint them. Who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, make them real abstract looking. All right. So what were yeah. you listening to as, as a kid? You know, when you're growing up, what kind of music were you actually into in your teenage years, well, for example? It was, it was really a, a lot of classic rock radio growing up. Uh, you know, we had a pretty uh, strong station in Frederick, Maryland called the Eagle that I listen to like crazy, but it's pretty nostalgic for me now when I go back and I play it. But, but, you know, when I hit my teens, I, I really started to dig into more classic country sort of acts. I, you know, I got a Johnny Cash greatest hits album when I was like 10 that changed my life. And I think that sort of set the tone, um, uh, for, you know, getting into the band and getting into, uh, getting into, you know, all the other greats, Willie, Waylon, Chris, and, um, you know, I eventually started to listen to the Avid Brothers and a couple other modern sort of uh, mm-hmm. takes at, at that sound. And, and that really started to motivate me to see people doing that. And uh, but those sort of acts, uh, definitely the Avids, the Wood Brothers. Uh, you know, I listened to a ton of Tom Waits. I loved his attitude, uh, especially, especially as a solo sort of troubadour. And the thing I'm doing, he was a huge inspiration. Uh, but I'd say a blend of, of all those sort of were the recipe for where I am now. Did you realize at the time what a strong musical tradition co- comes out of West Virginia, especially with all of the Appalachian music and bluegrass and, and all of, you know, those genres? Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I was coming up, I, you know, I had to just find players around that I could, you know, get creative with. And they were banjo players and fiddle players and the guitar players and a lot of old time uh, music they were playing. And, you know, it was fun for me to... Uh, get to, you know, make noise with them and, and, and have them, you know, uh, you know, add this thing to what I was doing that kept me so fired up. Cause I, you know, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. The local musicians, they were all, you know, spawned from the culture there and, you know, definitely inspired me as we moved forward. So when you were in, in high school, what gave you that bug to perform? Were you in high school musicals or did you, were you in a band in high school? What kind of gave you that bug to get out there and start performing in front of people? Oh yeah, I was. I had. I had a band cooking. You know, I was always in a band when I was growing up. It started in middle school, honestly. Um, and uh, you know, in, in high school, I played stand-up bass in the jazz band, and uh, I was in the show choir band. I was in the pep band. I was in all the <laughs> bands for school, and then also was in you know my other friends' band and the other county. You know, I had like two bands that I filtered through in high school that. Uh, you know, with me and my friends, but I, you know, as soon as I could start playing in the bars and gigging around, I, I did. And as soon as I was 15, we, 
started to rack up a full schedule and that was really it never has slowed down ever since then it was uh you know just uh, that's what i love to do the most is play out and so i always found a way to do it with my buddies and uh, so i always made sure that was happening you know, I always like to ask people the name of their first band cuz i think they're just it's they're usually great names what was the name of your first <laughs> band my first band was called joe taxi and why taxi. why did you call it joe taxi <laughs> well oh my gosh i can't believe we're actually talking about it. but uh it was because we were playing this, we did this tour once when I was like, it was the summer of my turning 16 year. And uh, we did an, what we called an open mic tour where we were just driving all through like the Northeast and Midwest and just hitting any open mic we could find. You know, we had no idea what we were doing. We were like, let's just hit all the open mics. It'll feel sure. like we're gigging. And, uh, you know, we get, we'll get some fans and it totally worked though. You know, we, every day we're just Googling where was the closest open mic and, and uh, one day we went to New Kensington, Pennsylvania, and we had this best, uh, we had the best taxi driver who was so nice to us and helped load our stuff and waited the entire gig to take us back. And his name was Joe. And uh, so the drummer was like, Joe Taxi. <laughs> and uh, we were just like, hell yeah, let's run with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, crazy story. <laughs> Takes me back. So somewhere along there, you were, you were, uh, you competed for American Idol, right? You were... What, how old were you when you did that? Summer. Oh, that same summer. Okay. I, yeah, 15, 16. And what was that experience like? I, I think it's just brutal, but I, I was wondering from a contestant standpoint, um, was there something fun about it or was it just brutal? Well, looking back, you know, I was, I had, I was just, you know, I was such a kid, such yeah. a kid. No idea what to expect. It was just sort of, I realized my parents and my family, they're like, hey, you can kind of sing. You know, why don't you do that? And I was like, okay, I don't really care. And so we did it. And, you know, it wasn't too brutal for me. You know, we had, I had, it, at the end of the day, it was nice exposure that, you know, yeah. as, as soon as it was over, you know, I had a, a hundreds of gigs waiting on me in town. So it was actually a nice, uh, a nice little uh, sort of bump uh, for the community, you know, and it, Martinsburg loved it, West Virginia. And, and uh, you know, I don't, get a, I don't get to talk about it too much uh, these days, but uh, looking back, it uh, was definitely like a nice experience of, you know, I still have some friends that I, I know from it and things, but uh, it was good. It was, it was a good experience at the end of the day. Well, you're, you're in front of a major audience and you're nationwide. All that exposure has to be great. And to some degree, I would think that you learn a lot about performing even in a short period of time um, on the, on a show like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you got to uh, tackle some, uh, some <laughs> weird, uh, fears and things you know because it's a weird environment out there but uh yeah it definitely builds it builds knowledge builds character yeah for sure so during this and we're right after that did you start writing your own music were you always writing your own music yeah you know i had no idea that it was what well, was all sort of around that time 15 16 years old that i knew that, okay i think i've got something you might as well milk it and uh yeah so i got home and and uh you know, is when I started playing gigs, you know, I, I would do four hour cover gigs in bars. And, and at a certain point, I, I was listening to the Avert Brothers and all those other bands I was mentioning. And I, I thought I might as well give it a go. And so I just started to, you know, write whatever came out of me. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just sort of looking back at it now. I'm glad I, you know, it was what it was because it set me on this path. And uh, yeah, around that time. So how old were you when you put out your first album? Well, I recorded it when I was 18 in Nashville, and it came out uh, when I was 19. 
What was the music like for that album and, and you know, sort of was it reflective of someone who was 18 years old or um, what were you doing on with that music in particular? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't do any co-writing. I didn't do any sort of a, uh, I wasn't courted by anything. You know, it was just the songs that I'd written in my room. And uh, I think looking back at it, they were very, you know, young and, and jubilant. And, uh, you know, um, I think I was, I think I was a hopeless romantic <laughs> as a kid. And I, I think I still am, but I think it really showed on that first album and even the second album. Um, but, you know, the key for me was just keeping it honest and keeping it fresh. It was definitely not uh, trying to be mainstream sounding uh, country-esque music. It was, it was, you know, I was trying to, you know, write things that made me feel like it was original and, and, and uh, talk about things that I thought were real and fresh. And uh, to me, at least. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I think that's what, you know, sort of was a leg up for me, was, was not trying to be someone else was just following the old gut, you know, and seeing where that took me. And I'm, I was grateful that I did that. I find it interesting because people who have long careers in music and you go back and you look at a song they wrote when they're 18 and one that they wrote when they're 70 even, that they're always still relevant. They just might be a slice from a different period of time, but they're always connecting with new people because there's somebody out there that's going through that same thing. I just find it interesting. Exactly. Totally. And, and that's what the Avis were for me and a lot of those bands, you know, the, I just wanted to, uh, you know, give someone else that feeling because I feel like they saved me in a lot of ways. I feel like a lot of that music saved me growing up. It was, a, you know, an interesting childhood. It was great, but it was interesting, you know, and you, you need extra sorts of faith and different things, you know, and, the, you know, having those examples really keeps you going. And, you know, so I wanted to put that feeling out there myself. I talk to a lot of people and I always think that it would be nice for a lot of non-musicians to have that same sort of musical outlet that uh, songwriters have because you can kind of emote and get something out there and maybe work through something through your music that other people don't really have that same avenue. And uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's a great outlet, great outlet for, you know, therapy in a way. <laughs> right, mu musical therapy. Um, how has your music evolved? You put out another album, and now we're on to album number three, The Other Side. And the second album, because we played your music here on Diddy, um, it went from a little more Americana to a little more rockin' in the second album. And, and sort of th this album, I was listening to it. I love it, by the way. It's a, it's a great album, and I encourage everyone to go out and listen and get a copy. But it, it's definitely... Uh, I think even more so on, on the rock side, and um, which I like personally. And I wanted to just sort of, you know, find out from you and your own words, you know, how your sound is evolving and, and your music is evolving. Well, you know, I think for this new record, working with the producer, Robert Adam Stevenson, who I met in L.A., uh, he was a big impact on the sound. You know, he comes from that European sort of uh, indie rock, ambient sort of sounding stuff. But he's just a genius, you know, and it all happened really naturally. And so we were able to experiment together and, you know, test the fusions. And this new record came out very naturally, kind of that way, you know, of sort of discovery. Um, but also, you know, uh, I've, been I've, been writing, I've been writing sort of more looking inward, you know, less, less of the helpless romantic, uh, mm -hmm. like I said earlier, more of a look inward, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, it just sort of led to 
some bigger emotional cinematic things I wanted to do on the album. And uh, luckily Robert is that kind of guy. And uh, so we just took our time and had a lot of fun with it. I, I was raised on rock and roll. And I think the great thing about Americana is that the more and more that the community grows, to me, it seems like it just embodies sounds that emanate classic American sounds, not just country sounds or folky sounds, but anything that sort of emulates that old, uh, that old sound that coming back, whether it be R&B uh, or rock and roll, country folk, whatever it is. And, and you know, so, uh, yeah, I had no boundaries, I had no boundaries. I was trying to stand. And, and so we just, uh, we did our thing. But at the same time, the songwriting was the main common thread I wanted to focus on. There's a lot of different genres that this record sort of flows through. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, folky stuff on it as well. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't hold myself back and doing things that I genuinely wanted to try and do. For sure. And and where did you record it? What what studio? Well, we did it at two different studios. We did the bulk of it at a studio in El Paso called Sonic Ranch. Incredible, incredible experience. And uh, we cut three to four of the tracks in uh, Los Angeles at a studio called Revolver. Um, we cut the song on the other side at a studio called The Memphis Room, who's owned by Ken Calais. And... Uh, and then we did Sick of Me up at, uh, up at uh, Johnny Depp studio in, in the Hollywood Hills because uh, my producer works with his band, the Hollywood Vampires. So we got to do some, uh, some very cool work up at his place. Very inspiring. Good place to make rock and roll. So we bounced around a little bit. Did you run into Johnny at the studio? <laughs> no, no? <laughs> but I ate his food and I drank his wine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll let him know. Uh, or you can let him know. Um, it was just a glass jar. Uh, <laughs> so you moved around a lot. Was that due to the pandemic? And were you just, were you, or was it just more of where the producer said, hey, we need to go here and we need to do this? Well, you know, we went into it with no plan of like making an album. It was really a, it was really a gradual process that in, halfway through it, I realized that that's what was happening. We're making an album. You know, we went in and we were just working on some songs, you know, and uh Eventually, it caught some eyes of some other folks around us that, that uh, sort of spawned the whole let's make this uh, full-length record here. And um, so we had started in L.A., and when we realized that that's what we were going to do, we moved to El Paso and finished everything up. What were you doing during the pandemic? I know you loved to tour and that everyone had to stop all that. So what were you doing to sort of connect with mm -hmm. fans and people during the pandemic? Well, um, I had the record done right before the pandemic kicked. And so I had made the decision to release the songs one by one. And so if you go back 2020, it basically was seven songs divvied out over the course of a year and a half. And uh, so I used that time to make, to make videos for all seven of those songs. And, and, you know, I was running my own campaigns on all this stuff. I was, I was basically you know, a one-man show just trying to put out art and music to, to you know, fill the air for a full year and a half. And, uh, and I did. And, I mean, I was sitting in L.A. in the living room doing it the whole time, but, but, uh, but that's how I, I utilized that time. I definitely just uh, tried to milk every song and dole out the album very slowly. And I was glad that I did that because it, uh, you know, it uh, just helped things lead to where they needed to go and it helped this record uh, get taken in 
come the way I wanted it to be taken and allowed me to milk every song as well, you know, and you let people really see what I'm, what I'm feeling and allowed me to be super creative. So that's what I did. So you're back on the road, you're touring a little bit. And uh, what's that like? Is it, is it nice to connect with real people again? Yeah, it's great. It, honestly, I mean, there's nothing better. Uh, at the same time, it's, it's still a little fickle out there, you know, so us artists, we're just rolling with the punches. Um, but, you know, anything to be out playing. That's all I know to do. So it's all, I, it's all I can do and, you know, it's all I'll ever do. So it feels fantastic. And I read that you are a lover of old venues. I love old venues, absolutely, especially theaters. Anything that smells funny, too. I like it. <laughs> you know. Are there any iconic venues in West Virginia that, that you want to give a shout out to? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, the theater that was in my hometown, it's called the Apollo Theater in Martinsburg. And, you know, when I was a little kid, I, you know, I did all the talent shows there. I, I was in a couple of the uh, summer theater productions with my family. And uh, so that, that place is a very special spot in my heart, the Apollo Theater in Martinsburg, but also the Shepherdstown Opera House, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. It's where I played a lot of my first shows with my band. And the uh, first place it started to sell out, you know, I feel like, you know, I was, you know, we were rock and rolling and putting on big shows. So uh, yeah, those two are very special to me in West Virginia. Well, let, let's just talk for a second about a couple of the songs on the album. Let's talk about the other side. Tell me what that's about. Because that's the title track. Well, that song, I think, uh, encompassed the whole album for me and was the, what I chose to title the record because it, uh, you know, it sort of is about that rebirth that I mentioned. It's about sort of finding that, uh, that renewed spark to keep doing what you're doing. What I've been doing, you know, I, I have to reconnect to that thing that fuels me uh, the way that it did when I was young, you know, why I started doing this in the first place. So that, 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 that song was written down in Southern West Virginia, my grandmother's land that's still in the family. And, uh, you know, just sort of finding that uh, really real part of yourself that, that does want to be creative and, and do things from the most genuine place. And, uh, you know, this record, I didn't, I didn't take no for an answer on anything. I did exactly what my heart wanted. And, uh, you know, it's just about chasing that good feeling. And that's what that song is about. And really, this whole record is a product of that uh, realization. So how about uh, Nothing Wrong? That was a pretty rocking song. Tell me about that one. That one I co-wrote with my producer, Robert. And uh, we, we really did the music together. When I took it home, it, it put me in a place of, uh, of just, you know, sort of wanting to de-stress and realizing that in this moment right now, there is nothing wrong. And uh, it's up to us to sort of understand that, remind ourselves that in order to have, you know, productive day or a happy day at all. And, uh, you know, uh, sort of a, a spiritual look at the now in a way. Well, I have to say just every song was really great. The melodies, the lyrics, you know, everything you've done with them. It was very creative. Like you said, it wasn't all the same. Each song was very different. I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I understand that you're engaged. You have a fiance. Now. I am. Yes. Yes. Y'all plans to get married anytime soon or... Anything like that on the horizon? It'll be in 2022. Absolutely. We think the fall of 22. But, you know, we're in the midst of all that right now. Right. Of course. Thanks. I'm sure all the wedding planning, all those fun things that go along with that. Um, well, it's a great album. You, you guys, uh, you know, wish the best in your personal life and also with the album. It's, it's incredible with your tour. Um, come see us in Memphis. 
I would love to. And thank you so much for taking the time and for having such a thoughtful outlook on the record. I appreciate it. Thanks, Christian. We'll see you soon. You too. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with West Virginia native Christian Lopez. His new album, The Other Side, is a collection of 12 eclectic songs that veer from sprightly indie rock to brutally vulnerable ballads. And you can order your copy today by visiting christianlopezmusic.com. And remember, you can visit diddytv.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free Diddy TV app from your app store today. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.